And so, Father, today as we hear Your living Word spoken, we receive it as Your Word. Supernatural, full of life. Holy Spirit, quicken the Father's Word to us today. Open our eyes to see, understand more fully what Jesus Christ did for us. What He accomplished for us through His death, burial, and resurrection. And as we listen to Your Word today, we examine our heart. Not someone else's life, but we examine our own heart to make sure that we are in the faith. And so, Holy Spirit, we call upon You to minister to us. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Look at uh, Matthew, please, chapter 21. Before I, I begin, I want to give you a little bit of an introduction. This morning is going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to preach to you a sermon, so to speak, and I'm going to limit my comments. That's hard for a minister. But I want to concentrate on the Word and speak specific Scriptures to you. It's the truth that sets us free. It's not the Word of men, but it is the Word of God. And so, before we receive communion at the end of the service, I want us to prepare our hearts. I want us to examine our hearts. I want us to listen to the Father's Word and the words of Jesus Christ Himself. I believe it will bless us and it will help us. But I do want to read in, in Matthew 21, this is the triumphal entry. Verse 1, it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately He will send them. Verse 6, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now look at verse 10. And when he'd come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And so the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. I want you to look at these few words, these three words, who is this? And, and basically, when the answer came, it was, well, it's a prophet. Even the people at that time, they did not have full revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And what His true mission was. And it's no different today because there are believers and Christians who have received Christ, but they don't know Him. Yes, maybe, you know, He's my Lord and Savior, but that's as far as it goes. 
They have no revelation of what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. All the spiritual blessings of God are found in Christ. Say that. All the spiritual blessings of God are found in Christ. All the spiritual blessings of God are realized in your relationship, now listen, and your daily fellowship with Christ. So important. It is our responsibilities as as believers to abide in Christ and allow the Word of God and uh, the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our spiritual inheritance in Jesus Christ. Now remember last week we said our goal was to remember who you were like before Christ. What were you like before Christ? The Word states you were an enemy of God, you were a slave of sin, you were ruled by your flesh, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, you walked according to the course of this world and the power of the air. You were sons of disobedience, having no hope without God in this world, alienated from the life of God. That's who you were. That's who I was. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. I'm going to have Abe uh, just play softly behind me this morning because I want, we'll be speaking the word of God to you. And I want to begin by appropriate scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. This is the institution of the Lord's Supper. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This word remembrance is defined... And, and if, you'll, if you'll think about it, a lot of times you'll watch a movie or, or, or something that says in memory of, and they'll give the credits, they'll show a picture of that individual, and you know, it's just, you might not even know that person, but it says in memory of. But this word in the Greek, remembrance, means something deeper. It's an affectionate calling of the person himself to mind. In other words, you and I make an active and conscious effort to remember our Lord and Savior, what He did for us through His death, burial, and resurrection. In 1978, I was 21 years old, and my dad died. I found him the next morning. He was dead in bed. Talk about an impact. That's almost 37 years ago. And what is... You know, uh, disconcerting is the fact that I have forgotten a lot of things about him in his life. 37 years is a long time. But if I make a conscious effort, and I take time and I reflect and I meditate and I think, all of a sudden memories will flood back to me of who my father was. And what he did for me. He helped mold and shape my life. 
But I have to sometimes remember that. What can happen so often as the years go by, we forget things. That's why you and I need this Word, and we need to know the Word. If we truly want to remember Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection, the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, then we need to know the Word, and that will help stir up that memory. Amen? Now, what should we remember? I'm not going to have you turn to the Scriptures. Let me read these Scriptures to you. Number one, we should remember His humanity. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right or the authority to become the children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh. Say that. And the Word became flesh. Amplified says human incarnate. And tabernacled, fixed His tent of flesh, lived a while among us. And we saw His glory. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Say this with me. I'm a son of God. He's my father. I'm an heir of God through Christ. Then Hebrews 4 also tells us of his humanity. It says, but Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours, now listen, understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations we do, though he never once gave way to them and sinned. Then we remember... His mission. Number one, He came to do the Father's will. Say the Father's will. John 6.38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Secondly, He gave life. John 10.10, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more what? Abundantly. He came so you and I could experience abundant life. The Bible says He's the light of the world. He came to give light. John chapter 12 verse 46 says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in Me should not abide in darkness. Say, I have light in Me. Number four, He came, of course, to take away sin. 
John 1.29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the what? Sin of the world. Number five, he came to seek and to save the lost. Aren't you glad? Because there was one day you were lost. I was lost. Dead in my sin. And Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, He came to seek and save us. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Then number six, He came to fulfill the law. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 states, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. And number seven, very important, and most Christians don't even recognize this or have revelation, He came to destroy the works and the power of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. First John 3.8, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. So His humanity, we remember His mission, and now we remember His death. Find Matthew 27. I want you there. I'm going to read you a few other scriptures. But I do want you to find Matthew chapter 27. We remember his death. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man. To think that God came down and took on flesh and became a human being. And you don't think anybody loves you sometimes? Remember His love. He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And I don't need to begin. We've dealt with that before. But you do need to remember what the death of the cross was like. It was gruesome. Painful. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, might taste Death, or experience death for everyone. Did you hear that? For God so loved the world. Christ died for you. Christ died for me. Jesus Christ hung on a cross, became sin who knew no sin, for the entire world. Now look at Matthew chapter 27. Verse 33. 
And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say, the place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, and when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him, divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Jesus Christ hung on that cross for you and I. And this is what I I want you to understand today. and, And it's hard to fathom. It's hard to wrap your mind around this. Jesus Christ died physically. But He also died spiritually. He became sin. All the sins of the world were laid upon Him. And what sin does, it separates you from God. I'll never forget this. When I was a young man, I went to Bible camp, and I was on fire for God, and I'd met Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I wanted to serve Him. And I'll never forget, there was an older gentleman in his 70s there. He was, he was a good man. He worked with young people. And then there was a young minister. And I remember telling this older man, we were working in the, in the kitchen of, of this camp, and I said, you know, Jesus Christ went to hell and died spiritually. And how I had that revelation at that point in my life, but I did. And I saw anger flash across this older man's eyes. And he said, no! And the young minister said, yes. And, you know, I could tell he was... He was but what it was was religion. See, religion had kept him in the dark. And that's sad. But Jesus did die spiritually. 
And this is what I want you to think about. Jesus Christ came down, the Son of God, yet the Son of Man, but He was always in fellowship with the Father, was He not? Always talking and conversing with the Father on a regular basis. He, his Spirit was alive unto God, His Father. I want you to think about this. Like I said, it's difficult, but can you imagine him knowing he was going to die spiritually and be separated from the love of his father? My God! My God! Why have you forsaken me? God the Father was repulsed by His own Son because He became sin. Jesus died physically. He died spiritually. He went to hell for you and I. But isn't there good news? He was raised from the dead. And that's resurrection morning, Easter morning, and we will get into that in the weeks ahead. We're going to be talking about your spiritual inheritance and what the resurrection gave us. I'm going to read one more passage of Scripture. I want you to listen closely. In fact, I'm going to read it from the Living Bible. Sam, remembering you, Jesus, what you've done for me, this is Isaiah 53, but oh, how few believe it. Who will listen? To whom will God reveal His saving power? In God's eyes, He was like a tender green shoot sprouting from a root in dry and sterile ground. But in our eyes, there was no attractiveness at all. Nothing to make us want Him. We despised Him and rejected Him. A man of sorrows acquainted with bitterest grief. We turned our backs on Him and looked the other way when He went by. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our grief He bore, our sorrows that weighed Him down. And we thought His troubles were a punishment from God for His own sins, but He was wounded and bruised for our sins. He was chastised that we might have peace. He was lashed and we were healed. We are the ones who strayed away like sheep. We who left God's past to follow our own. Yet God laid on Him the guilt and sins of every one of us. He was oppressed and He was afflicted. Yet He never said a word. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he stood silent before the ones condemning him. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people of that day realized it was their sins that he was dying for? That he was suffering their punishment? He was buried like a criminal in a rich man's grave, but he had done no wrong and had never spoken an evil word. Yet it was the Lord's good plan to bruise him and to fill him with grief. But when his soul has been made an offering for sin, then, now listen, he shall have a multitude of children. 
many heirs. He shall live again, and God's program shall prosper in his hands. And when he sees all that is accomplished by the anguish of his soul, he shall be satisfied. And because of what he has experienced, my righteous servant shall make many to be counted righteous before God, for he shall bear all their sins. Therefore, I will give him the honors of one who's mighty and great because he's poured out his soul unto death. He was counted as a sinner and he bore the sins of many and he pled with God for sinners. That's our Lord and Savior. That's Old Testament prophecy. Isn't that remarkable? Remembering Jesus today. Look back, would you, again to 1 Corinthians. Communion is a time to remember Him, and that's what we're doing this morning. Specifically, remembering his death, remembering what his body endured, what he took upon himself for us, remembering his precious, precious blood. And it's a time to experience the benefits of his broken body and his shed blood. If you need healing, healing is provided in the atonement. But I also want you to remember, and, and this, is, this is important, that communion is a time of fellowshipping with people of like faith. It's a time of fellowshipping with the rest of the body of Christ. Because we're all individual members, but we come together and we represent the body. And we need each other. That's so why I said, we need the older generation. Yeah, we need you too, you young ones, but we need the older generation. Everybody has something important to contribute. We need to remember, you know, Brother Stephen's leaving, I don't know, today to go to Nigeria. We remember men like Mike Keyes and Jeff Rogers, great men and women of God in the body of Christ that are serving Him and, and advancing the kingdom of God. We need to remember that. We need to remember what each other, how important we are to each other. person that turns the lights on and flushes the toilet and opens the door, mows the grass, takes care of the kids. Everybody's important. Everybody needs to contribute. Why? Because we're all part of the body of Christ. Amen. Ushers, if you'd kindly wait upon the people this morning, we'll pass out the elements. All I'm asking, we want everyone to partake of, of communion. If you're a member of, you don't have to be a member of this church, but you need to be a born again believer. You're more than welcome to receive communion with us today as we remember him. Go sing, sing. which art in heaven, hallowed be your name.
Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we remember your son today. Oh, we remember his humanity, his mission, his death. We also remember the resurrection, which means new life. We thank you, Lord God, for the elements and what they represent. The bread, which is his body, that took our sin, our sickness, our disease. But more importantly, our, all of our sins and transgressions. We receive this bread today, as you said, to take this, eat this in remembrance of you. We do that this morning. Oh, thank you. We remember your broken body. We also remember your precious blood. For the life is in the blood. And this blood gives us a transfusion of life, eternal life. And because of your blood, our sins are remitted. Our sins are forgiven. So we can stand before you today, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, having no sin consciousness, but we're in right standing with the Father because of this blood. We receive this cup today, remembering you, Jesus. Let's stand our feet. Lift our hands. We worship you. We honor you. And we honor the communion table this morning. As we leave today, we go with the life, the light of God in us. And as you go today, remember who you used to be. Because of the blood now, you can truly see. So go this day remembering Him. Go this day knowing that His life is in you. And that you have a message to proclaim. What do you proclaim? You proclaim Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You pro proclaim Him as Lord and Savior. So go today and remember those that haven't met Him, that need Him. Go today and encourage them, love upon them, and invite them. That is your mission. Don't ever forget it. We thank you, Lord, that we have and possess the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And Lord, you promised that signs, wonders, and miracles would follow the preaching and teaching of your word. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of Jesus Christ at Harvest Church. But we boldly proclaim all that he is, all that he's done, and all that he's doing for us now. Thank you, Lord, for your grace upon this body today to go forth. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, you can leave today, but you've got to hug somebody before you leave. Amen. Or shake their hand if you don't want to hug them.